Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Oscar Grouches. My name is Tyler. I'm Nick. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the category of adapted screenplay. So we're doing an adapted screenplay, Thunderdome. I love these episodes. Um, let me say it one more time, Thunderdome. <laughs> so we're going to go over the last 10 years. Yes. Uh, comparing backwards From to forward. By Your Name all the way back to Slumdog Millionaire. And they will, um, we will have, uh, they will be elimination style, so there's only one winner. You guys have um, listened to this before, hopefully, so you know how this works. Yeah. We go two by two, finding out who the top five are, move the first person all the way up to the top three, do another elimination, we get a top three, cut one, just break the top two, then we got a winner. Yes, it's convoluted, but we don't care, because it's our show. So, um, we're going to start the most recent, right. uh, Call Me By Your Name by James Ivory, who is subsequently the oldest, oldest winner, winner. Um, and... He's um, Moonlight by Barry Jenkins, story by Terrell Alvin McCraney. Okay, so this is a hard one. Uh, so tell me about your name. Let's start with that. So uh, based on the novel of the same name by um, Andre Asimin Akiman. Don't know how to pronounce that. But hi, Alfred Singhal. Say hello, Alfred. Say hello. I don't think he wants I'm not to. not say hello. Okay. I mean, he was, but we put him on the spot. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> um, so, uh, this is actually, I think, the only one of the screenplays on this list of the adapted screenplays that I've read the original. Me too. Um, so, it, it, that puts it in an interesting spot. Also, um, it, it should be noted that the voters generally have not read the original so like we're we, which is a shame but at the same time i don't have time to read five books yeah so we're, we're basing this <laughs> on oscar season i'm seeing movies yeah exactly <laughs> um well and um some of them aren't even available like the i cannot find the original script for moonlight, uh, moonlight. well it was um in moonlight black boys look blue by alvin um terrell alvin mccraney i can't find the original script anywhere um but well, didn't you say like it was put on, but it never like made it to Broadway. I didn't think it ever was even put on. I think he just wrote it, and then it was shelved. Um, huh. so, Anyways, call me by your name. This movie was great. Yeah. So, um, the the screenplay here does such a good job with like uh, subtlety, you know, like and just building on this love story without pushing anything in your face. It's not obvious. It's not sweeping. It's not romantic. Mm -hmm. It's just little tiny details building up. Like compared to the book, the book was completely like completely through Enio's, uh, sorry, Elio's perspective. Um, and I thought this one did a very, very good job of basically telling the story from two separate people and not really focusing on Elio all that much. Because you got a lot of Oliver's like story back, not like, okay, sorry, not, you just got a lot of his perspective in different situations where the book didn't do that. It chose not to focus on him. Yeah, and I, it, it definitely felt more like a story of Elio yeah. and just what he was going through. Yeah, um, and not like what was left out of the book too. Like, yeah. like I mean, left out of the film from the book. They chose to pick the, the perfect things to keep in. Oh yeah, it's it's really well adapted to make like a the solid scene around film the fountain. And, they, I mean, just oh god. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, this this story just about you know it's it's this love story with a huge age gap of these. Um, Which was two men in back Italy. Then. Yeah, I guess like you have to look at it from a non-judgmental standpoint, and I think it. I it, never did. I never judged them. Yeah, because I didn't really. The feel movie like, didn't either. Uh, yeah, it was just sort of. It just it was what it was, and here we are. Mm -hmm. You know, like I didn't feel like they were promoting this behavior, but at the same time, they were just make, is, telling like a very human story. Which is really hard to do, like to translate that non-judgmental tone 
Because I feel like if, like a book can e- I feel like can easily do that, but a movie. I feel like it always walks a fine line and this movie walked that line very, very well. It never made me feel gross about their relationship. It always made it seem really, really sweet. It also just handled a lot of like, um, like the metaphors and like the interesting things that were building up with like the, the, the peaches, the peach pit scene, which is pretty, pretty brutal. (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, like I think there was just so much like, I don't want to say use of imagery because I guess that's on the director, but the, the scenes that were written were from the screenplay, you know, and I think mm-hmm. he handled that so well and everything was so gentle and nothing was forced on me. I was very much like, I just, I really just felt like I was watching this beautiful film and watching this unfold before me as opposed to like forcing any of those uh, love story tropes. It really reminded me of being a teenager yeah. a lot. I was just like, I kept thinking about the sensations of being so young and falling in love and, you know, like, and romance and how it can build and it's, um... And then there's, like, and then it also goes, not back on it, but it reserves the other side of that with his father, who said, I never actually did any of those things. Yeah, and he, yeah, and, like, the the subtlety of the dad's relationship and, like, what exactly he wanted from this, from his life, you know, because it seems like he might have like, been bisexual I, like his son. I couldn't have it. Or, like, I chose not to. Yeah. Or, like, I chose not to because of, like, you know, societal norms, things like that. But you can, so go do it. It was nice. Yeah. I do think we should move on. Moonlight. Moonlight. This movie was amazing. I love it. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> this, the screenplay here has such... Both of these movies compare LGBT issues. Yeah, so that makes it difficult as well. But they, um, I mean, the character... So the thing is, Call Me By Your Name is, like, focused mostly on two people. Like, there's a couple other characters sprinkled in, but, like, Moonlight is, like, an ensemble film. Yeah. You know, like, you have... I wish I could have seen the original play, because this movie chose to tackle something very... Something that just has never been done before, which is toxic masculinity in, like, the black community, which I have never seen a movie do that before. And I was very happy that this movie existed. Well, yeah, they were talking about, like, I think when you have... Um, you know, like the, in this area, there's a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of poverty, who are dealing with a lot of issues in their lives, um, and a lot of oppression and stuff. And like, how if you have something added onto that, like another layer with his, him and his, I don't even know if he was gay or bisexual. His his queer feelings, I'll say. Yes. Um, he to to add that onto his problems that he was already having these, you know, insurmountable issues. And like, each character is so. Like, his mother, who's going through so much, and she's had these drug issues. I, I still, again, like, non-judgmental, though. Yeah. I think it was just, it like, never this... never judges anyone. This is just the story that he's choosing to tell. This is you his know, life, like, and he's living it. Yeah, and I think each moment builds on the next one so well. Just, like... Because it talks about, like, three different parts of his life. And normally I hate movies that span across like that. But I think since each one almost kind of survives on its own, mm-hmm. they're almost like three different little films. Which and I loved. Yeah, it's great, because it's like, we're going to look at these three moments of this man's life. It's basically like like Moonlight, a play in three acts. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Like, each one, in my opinion, would have been a great short film. Right. Each one would have been a a wonderful, beautiful short film. And I think that that, that's difficult to sell as a film, and they did it. And they did it well, and I I was really appreciative. It was very artistically well done. I loved every character. Dialogue in that, and Moonlight in particular, seemed so real. Nothing seemed forced. Everything was just flowing really, really well. Yeah. And however, I want to bring up one thing that we've talked about this outside of this podcast here. 
you think that the movie dips in the third act. And I'm not putting that on the writer, though. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so I would like to reserve that conversation for the, for the future. Okay. Because I don't, me, I don't I think thought it was we were anything, talking about the writing. I don't think it has anything to do with the writing. Okay. Okay. Um, so I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, so please disregard that comment. I was trying listeners. to help you make a decision because to me, this is the hardest one on this entire thing. No, I kind of already have a decision now. Decision? If, after the discussion, I feel like I, I know. I didn't know. I will be completely honest. Before we started recording, I did not know because I have a I gut feeling too. Loved, loved Call Me By Your Name. And I loved, loved, loved Moonlight. And I think it's just, it was, I hate that one of them has to go this early. Um, but if it was up to me, I, I would say give it to Moonlight. Oh, wow. I said, call, my gut is calling by your name. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I... I can't explain it, but for me... Actually, you know what? Because I have such a profound respect for Moonlight and how important that movie is, yeah. I'm going to say that we should just push it ahead. I think I think Moonlight needs to go on. And I think, for, for me, what decides it is just... is like what I said, each one's kind of its own little film. And, but for and some, each of them works. And each one of them works, but it works as a cohesive whole as well. And I think that that is just... I think he tackled a bigger thing um, than what, you know, mm-hmm. than what James Ivory had tackled. And although, I mean, I have to say again, Call Me is a really great screenplay. I mean, it won an Oscar. But it's, uh, I, I think that Moonlight like, was just I'm so thinking, much more intense. If I'm thinking back to Moonlight and like how separate each of the stories were, the only thing that carried through between all of them was the mentioning of one in, I think, the second or third acts. And it's like, oh, if you didn't see the first one, you wouldn't know who she's talking about. But other than that, you can see each of these separate parts and just not be lost at all, no matter where you came in. No, I think it it was great. Which, you know what? Yeah, that would push it ahead for me because it did something like that and managed to succeed. It was just such a degree. It was so ambitious. And I think... um, And Colin Brandon was ambitious as well. I don't want to... I don't ever want to like lower the love I have for that. That was like film. one of my favorite films that year. I just have to give it I just have to give it to my I think. And I think Yeah, honestly, movie. like besides like Shape of Water and Get Out, it was Call Me by Your Name. That was my favorite movie that year. Her next one's hard too. What the what's the next one? Uh the big short versus love. the in, versus the imitation game. Oh son of a bitch. I know, <laughs> this is so unfair. Okay, so the um let's look at the big short first. The big short by big um, short. Adam McKay okay. and Charles Randolph. So I just watched this based movie. Based on the book by Michael Lewis. Yes. So I just watched this movie for the first time two, three weeks ago at this point. And the fact that it managed to make something so confusing, yet at the same time so important to each person, and give it to us in a way that is swallowable. And make it entertaining. I, I can't think of another movie that did the same thing. I never like. I can't even think of a movie that tackles like something like this and makes it interesting. I will say this: I still don't fucking understand. Like I, they, but you understand more. I understand more, but like there's still entertained. some things that I was like, what? And they would explain one thing, and I'm like, great, thank you for explaining that, but I don't understand what is happening over here? You know, like, where I'd be like, can you explain what it means to, like, bet against, like, a bank betting against something? I'm like, I don't understand what that even means. And, like, that was the whole premise of the film. And I was like... They did those that brilliant little thing where they just brought in actors to explain it to you. The celebrities (laughs) explaining was so cute. It was so funny. Um, And I kind of just always wanted another one. You know, yeah. I'd be like, ah, who's next? We got um, three, right? We got Anthony Bourdain, rest in peace. We got Margot Robbie, and then Selena Gomez, Selena with Gomez that other guy. Was, yeah, that was a funny one to have Selena come in. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was, I mean, and it was a very, like, 
they would just randomly break the fourth wall mm-hmm. and talk to the audience. And they did it well. A fourth wall break that goes bad ruins a movie. Oh, yeah. And this was so, like, they were funny with it. And they'd be like, this didn't actually happen, but we're doing it this way because it makes sense for the film. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right. Actually, weren't okay. all the fourth wall breaks introduced by Ryan Gosling's character? No, because um, those two guys who were just, like, the guys who were kind of doing their, like, weird garage Oh, investment yeah. business they did it too they were like we did not find out this information this way we actually found out this way and then they just moved on and they're like actually, that's fine like um uh dr barry and then uh, i forget steve carell's character's name they never broke the fourth wall did they um because like the movie was essentially no, about so, those no. two and everyone else was just supporting characters yeah um one thing that i really liked about the film i mean me personally i think we talked about this and i'm not sure i can't remember if you disagreed but it's the fact that i was rooting for all these people in the film to succeed and to take down these bad guys and be like ha 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 your time is ending you get no money anymore and then as soon as i was on their side brad pitt swept in and said what the fuck are you guys cheering? yeah because they were all this affects who were, literally none of them they were profiting yeah on this horrible tragedy and like and not in like in a way that i even disrespect yeah it was on a way though that like really it's not a time to celebrate and like people are going he even says people are going to die when there's a dip in the economy which people die you which know? i think is like the point i think the what that made me think that the film was so self-aware that it wrote these like likable characters that you're rooting for, but in the end, they're kind of the bad guys, and it was very well, bad guys because they didn't, they weren't harming people, but they're still like profiting off of it. So it was like but it like, made me. I, I'm, I'm waving my arms and like yeah. a who cares way for people who are. But it, like it made like, me <laughs> love them, and then the movie basically said if you guys love them just so you know this is what actually happens and yeah. brad pitt's character did that I and i was like that was a great thing to write oh no it was a great thing to write i just don't judge these people for for doing it because they weren't hurting anyone and they were well i'm not like and they were also being very them. upfront about it happening mm-hmm. and like trying to warn people in the process i just thought that this movie was very self-aware yeah and i respected it a lot okay like a lot a lot a lot yeah it was it was very and it made good. finance seem cool so and it's like, it's weird though. They made it cool, but I will admit, like, I, I do think because of their concentration on, like, getting us to understand things, I, I did not really get super attached to a lot of the characters. I felt like the, why people were even all together, like, why each, because a lot of the stories didn't really connect either. And it was like, okay. Only two of them did. Yeah. And it was like, Ryan Gosling's character was annoying. I'm sorry. He like, was. I didn't even really get why he was there. I like, couldn't was, tell you his name. Yeah, I just was like, oh, okay. Um, I, uh, yeah. So like, I loved it, but at the same time, and I loved like what it did and how it was very informative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it focused more on the facts and the journey rather than pulling you through it with characters that you. Like yeah, yeah. They kind of lost me. Which and, again, I cared about them. But yeah. just what they were talking about was more interesting than they were. And I still give it, a, like, a overall thumbs up. But oh, I do think that there are flaws to be noted in this screenplay. After I watched it, you had to, like, calm me down because I was so Ooh. angry. <laughs> and I think, like, sometimes also they were relying too much on me thinking that I'm supposed to laugh because they said the fuck word. You know what I mean? So they'd be like, well, fuck, fuck. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right. I, I like how you said the fuck word. I did say the fuck word. Uh, <laughs> Instead of, like, the F word. But it's... I, I, I think that sometimes I was like, okay, we get it. You, your people swear all the time. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, not that I fucking care. But it's like, I, 
I just, I get annoyed sometimes when I'm supposed to think it's funny or edgy. Mm-hmm. Because you swore. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, so I would like to move on, though. The Imitation Game. By, uh, screenplay by Graham Moore, based on the book Alan Turing, The Enigma by Andrew Hodges. So, this screenplay... Tyler loves this movie. I really do. I think the, the fact that they did, like, a, a nice spin on a World War II movie. You know, like, they're... Because we've seen the World War II movie a thousand times of, like, the people in the trenches and, like, the people dying and writing letters back to their loved one and blah, blah, blah. But then this guy's like, oh, by the way, there was, like, a homo back home who was just really smart and pretty much won the war. And I'm like, it's... It's worth noting. I think it was... And no one knows who he is, so let's teach the world who he is. Yeah, because it was also, like, not all heroes are masculine. Not all heroes are going to be this obvious brute force human. Some of them are just people who think really hard and are really socially awkward. And in this case, someone who was in trouble for being gay. You You know know what both of these movies did? What? They took like a subject that you think that everyone should know and people don't. And they Mm. made a movie about it. And, and I, I appreciate both of them very much. What I will say, the intimidation... Intimidation. <laughs> Im- imitation game. He's trying to intimidate me. Intimidate you. Imitation game, I think what <laughs> like it did... Like when you play card games. Yes, and I, it works. Um, <laughs> imitation game, I think, did such a better job than Big Short in terms of having it be character-based and emotional-based while still teaching. Mm-hmm. And they even had a moment at the end... because I mean, honest, it, that's like why I think... Imitation game should move on. Yes, I it's agree. Because it observed and created characters who are real, but and it was still, still informative. Because yeah. at the end, they like gave all those like statistics about the amount of people who had to like go through chemical castration with, through Britain's laws, and like how long it took for them to be like, "Hey, actually, it's not illegal to be having gay sex." And like the fact that they essentially ruined the mind, one of the most brilliant minds. They made him kill himself. Basically. And it was... They did, yes. And, like, it, it was horrible. And, like... It, and to the... Yeah. But it's weird because that was, like, such, like, a looming danger that I honestly forgot about it for a lot of the time. And then oh, as yeah. soon as the world was over, it's like, oh, well, actually, his whole danger is starting now. Yeah, he had to go through, like, his... Uh, not to be cheesy here. He had to go through war himself. Yeah. <laughs> right after the war. And, like, how... Um, I I really, yeah, I would agree that Imitation Game should go forward. Just because it, it was, it was just more substantial. I felt like Big Short was great, but it was a little, like, fluffy. It felt a little, like, something words, someone words, writes words, in... Words, 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 It, it felt words. a little like something someone writes in college, you know, to be a little edgy. As opposed to, like, Imitation Game, which I felt like was very well put together. I disagree with the college thing. Okay, sorry, was that too mean? <laughs> I feel like a little bit, but at the same time, it's not going to be an Imitation Game. But I think also, like, even the celebrity thing, like, it was really funny, but at the same time, I'm like, were you doing this because you didn't have enough to stand on on your own? You know what I mean? Like, if those scenes weren't there, would the movie have worked? And I actually don't know if it would have. And so it's like... If you need to randomly bring in celebrities in bathtubs, like, as much as I loved it and laughed my Remember when she just like, well, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Again, it was funny, but it felt a little, like, obvious funny. I don't know. I feel like Imitation Game was just more... Subtle. Imitation Game felt like something that I couldn't even possibly attempt to do. That was also the only movie of that year that I saw more than once. I saw it, like, five times. It was a really good movie. Yeah. Anyway, Imitation Game wins. Hooray! Uh, Argo versus... Wait, I skipped one. There we go. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, 
um, by John Ridley, based on the memoir by Solomon Northup. And then Argo by Chris Terrio, based on the book The Master of Disguise by Tony Mendez, and the article The Great Escape by Joshua Behrman. So it's what based off of... What? I made my decision, but let's just go. Oh, okay. Just, I know. We have to talk a lot about it. We're going to talk about it much. <laughs> 12 Years a Slave, obviously, was a movie that was long overdue. I mean, that's a very old, old book. You know, like, it's an actual memoir of 18, the character. 1860s? Um... I can look. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna look yeah. that. But um, but yeah, very old. I mean, slavery was legal. This was a book that was a, a long time ago. Um, and I think, I mean, it did such a good job, though. I mean, from and from what I've heard of the book too, the book can like focus a lot on like very specific details of like the plants and stuff. And the reason that they were doing that was because Solomon Northup would not have had any knowledge of these plants unless he was really there doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like he was giving credibility to a story, but at the same time. They, they made it, they, they had so much heart in it. You know what I mean? Like, the characters were so, were so three-dimensional and so interesting. Like, and Michael Fassbender's character as, like, that, you know, the sadist slave owner and, like, uh, Sarah Paulson as the I, other sadist slave owner. It's, it's, that, was like a, that was, like, a get-out moment with me where it's, like, I've never in my life hated Catherine Keener and never in my life have I ever hated Sarah Paulson but until like, I saw 12 Years a Slave and I'm, like, you, should, you need to die. You need to die right now. Well, and even, like, uh, Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatch's character and his wife who were, like, I'm putting it in air quotes here, but, like, the good slave owners. which like, just, like, you'll forget about your children. Yeah, there isn't such a thing as a good slave owner. And I think they made that clear that, like, even though they were, like, much gentler... You know, like, me, they they just, were not beating their slaves, but at the same time, like, they still had them. It's a very important story. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the thing is, it's hard to, like, if we if we add importance as, like, a criteria here, it's hard to think of a more important film than 12 Years a Slave in a long time. You know what Ooh, I mean? Like, I'm going to argue with you on that. Okay, well, that'll well, be later. Well, not now, because that's be later. not the point of this. Yeah, but 12 Years a Slave was, it was so important in the dialogue. I love how it just seems like it's it's written in such a heightened language. Everything was written in very heightened language. Well, Everyone yeah, because all those characters were, like, educated. Kind of, like, almost like a poet. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it wasn't even necessarily supposed to be direct realism with the way they talked. I think that they were... Maybe I'm putting too much on this. But in my interpretation of it, the, the, the heightened language was based on it almost being, like, a Greek tragedy. You know, like, it was... We're watching something that is bigger than just regular dialogue. So we have heightened language to really emphasize the high stakes here to really emphasize the high tragedy that is happening here. The high, the amount of pain. Cause even like Lupita Nyong'o's character, uh, Patsy, she kind of talked that way as well. And she was not an educated person. You know what I mean? Like she was probably, she was probably not educated on anything her whole life. And, but she still spoke that way. And I think that was intentional to just be like, these characters need a heightened form of language to really articulate the emotions that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Again, I might be putting too much on it. But that's how I felt about this movie. And that's how I felt about the dialogue that they wrote for it. And then there's Argo. <laughs> Argo? Okay, I know you don't like Argo. I love Argo. It was a great film. I just thought it was so boring. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> Argo, you kidding me right now? That movie was so intense. I was losing my fucking mind when they're Maybe, like... Maybe. I'm not sure. Like When they're in the airport... Okay, so like Argo, the, the plot line here is... It's a true story. These people made up a movie and they like had a screenplay for it. They had, like, press things for it. They hired actors for it and, like, had, like, makeup people working on, like, sketches for it so that they could then go to um, I'm also Iran. I'm kind of a grouch about it because didn't it beat Hugo for, like, everything? 
And I loved that movie. Hugo wasn't even nominated in this category. Was that, that, was that the year before? I don't, I don't know. But the, <laughs> the point that I'm trying to make here is that, like, it was so intense. And, yeah, like... Hugo was original. Also, like, what, what, what is, like... The, the, the very idea of, like, we're just going to make up this movie. And, like, that's how... It was such an absurd idea to have people escape. It was such an absurd idea. And the fact that they couldn't even... Not a, not a single person who worked on it could take credit for it. Like, all those, like, film producers that they got. The makeup guy. John Goodman's character who was really well read. I, I love this movie. Remember when Alan Arkin was nominated over John Goodman? Ugh, I can't even... That's, that's not for today. I <laughs> but anyway, I would argue... I'm grouchy about I would argo you... That it was a good movie. Maybe I should watch it again, but I really Probably. don't want to put myself through it. <laughs> I love that movie. I thought it was very... On the part at the end, when he, like... Okay, so, like, Argo, the movie, the fake movie Argo, is, like, this over-the-top science fiction. And people are like, how did he get this idea? Where is this idea coming from? It's so ridiculous. And he never gets to see his kid ever. And at the end, he finally gets to see his kid for a minute. And you look, and the posters are all... Co- the walls are all covered with, like, Planet of the Apes and Star Wars and, like, all these 70s sci-fi... Films that were very popular at the time. And I'm like, that's cute. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the whole idea is he got it from his kid. I mean, I agree with you. 12 years of life should move on. But, like, I, I don't know. My issues with sassy Marco. <laughs> well, I'll watch it again, and then I'll make a different opinion. Um, Next one. It's, like, artist? Maybe. No. The artist actually didn't. Uh, I don't think it even get nominated. Okay. Um, there's no dialogue, so... Um, the Descendants, uh, not, uh, <laughs> written by Alexander Payne, okay. Nat Faxon, and Jim Rash, All right. based on the novel by Carl Hartemans. Okay. And then that's, again, Social Network by Aaron Sorkin, based on the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Misrick. Okay, do. So let's talk Descendants. I hate this movie, and it's stupid, and it's dumb. <laughs> yeah, um, so for how grouchy I am about Argo, Tyler is equally as grouchy about Descendants. I do not think that equally is the correct term. Descendants was a miserable time and a miserable film about miserable people. You also just hate Shailene Woodley. It is most likely that is the case. I wish I could just read the screenplay and imagine some other actress there. I don't know. Anyone? Like, <laughs> I, I could imagine, like, a hand puppet doing it. Um, and being like, yay! <laughs> anyway, the reason I actually don't even really like the screenplay, though, is, like, it opened with this whole thing about, like... Remember it opened with We are the mama. culture of Hawaii. And, it's like, white. you guys think we're all just people who are on vacation. But it's we... Our, our, our cancer still kills us and our poverty still hurts us. And I'm like, yeah, that's a legit point you're making. But, like, you are also white people. You are essentially... You're, you're, which is why a lot of people had problems with this movie. Especially Hawaii, which is a very rich culture that many of the native Hawaiians still would like to leave the U.S. And so I'm like, so this notion of you coming in here as, like, colonists, and I don't care if you were born here. I don't care if your family's been there for three generations. You are still invading on the territory. You know, like, and it's and it's just such a dumb concept to be like, Let's have this movie set in Hawaii. Three with, generations. Mm, I can't, I, when you said three generations, I'm like, I don't oh know God, that. Like, I just made up that number. I was by like, the way. like grandpa being there. Like, no, we don't. We're not natives. Yeah, <laughs> it was just such bullshit from the beginning. So I'm like, they open on a bad note. It was a, also like, just it just wasn't a story that really needed to be told. I just didn't care. Not in film. They're like your mom said. Like, sure. What a book? Sure, it's a oh, cool it's, story. It seems like a great like. None of the characters were really likable, even in their time of sorrow. 
Oh yeah. And well, the only part I liked. And I'm like, I'll give how it this. did you manage to make unlikable characters when their situation begs for you to like them? I like it when he tells off his wife in a coma and it's like really awful to her. I oh, like that. When part. Judy Greer came in and she wanted to just rip her throat out. Yeah, I love that acting. moment when he like got in her ear and was like, You I can't remember what he said. He's like, You're so full of shit or something. And I was like And then it opened it opened with her happy on a boat, and all of a sudden just cut dead cut to her. Or yeah. like fade fade cut to her in a coma in a bed. It was a really ambitious idea. I just I don't I don't feel like okay, yeah, like whatever. I'm moving on. Social Network obviously moves on, but let's talk about let's it Let's talk about it for a minute. Aaron Sorkin obviously loves writing people Sorkin with their really speedy dialogue. They, they talk really West fast. Wing. We are big fans of West Wing in this house. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we are. You will respect West Wing in this house. West Wing and Frasier. I mean, Aaron Sorkin's a dick, but like, it's, it, he's a good writer. I've, I, I, would, I really appreciated the writing There's parts of the here. time where I'm honestly just like, slow down. This isn't Gilmore Girls. Like, yeah, no, I would agree. Moment. There's definitely a lot of flaws here. I actually... Didn't love this movie at all. Um, I love. It's not like you're not a part of Facebook. You. It's not like you're. It's not like you're. Blah, 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 blah. You aren't a part of Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, I like standing next to you guys. It makes me feel so tough. And then end scene, and I'm like, that could have been drawn out for tension, and then you just crammed it all in there. It was a little forced. It was a little much. I was like, yeah, this is a hard category because I don't like either of these movies really. But I, I feel like for for me, the social network stuff, it just felt. It gets a little preachy, too. Like, Aaron Sorkin sets up situations. Oh, so you're watching an Aaron Sorkin movie. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he <laughs> sets preachy. up a situation in which his opinion will win. You know, like, and it it can get a little much. And, like, it was a cool idea. Some people are like, I don't want to see a movie on Facebook. I'm like, I do, since it has changed how we live our lives. You know, like, yeah. I'm very interested in Facebook. It's like the but, like, I guess, like, comparing it to his other films, like Steve Jobs, where I'm like... There's just so much dialogue going on where you're just firing it at me and I'm not retaining anything. Yeah. And, and I feel like he has a problem with that. And I feel like I, I love how Jesse Eisenberg was in this movie. I love how he handled the dialogue. You I think love Jesse Eisenberg. I do. I get really defensive of him. Um, I, I mean, he that was like his time was early 2010s, late 2000s. I was like... Skinny, awkward guys have to stick together. To be honest, you know, like, he, like, <laughs> did what I think Michael Sarah wants to do. Oh, my gosh. No, my <laughs> friends used to call Jesse Eisenberg not Michael Sarah, and then Social Network came out, and they started calling Michael Sarah not <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, we well, obviously... Ob- social Network goes on. Obviously, Social Network. It was a much... It was a very cool idea. It was yes. very interesting. Um, the... What are those twins called? The Vinkloff Hoss? The Wigglebots The Wigglebots twins. twins. That, oh, that was the introduction of Army Hammer. Yeah, Army Hammer's in two of these films. There you go. All right, we got Precious versus Slumdog. Precious uh, by uh, Jess, Jeffrey S. Fletcher. Wait, babe, stop, stop. Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. Let me go back. We have Precious based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Thank you. <laughs> um, by the, It's listed here, and it does not say based on the novel Push by Sapphire. That's rude. Um, by Jeffrey S. Fletcher, which is based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Um, so, uh, this movie... Oh, let, oh, and then it's against Slumdog Millionaire by Simon uh, Boyfoy. Uh, based on the novel Q&A by Victor Suara. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Precious, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, was, um, I mean, handling like a really tough issue here because you just have a story that is so sad. It is a, it's a teenage girl. She's 16. They she's, both handle issues of poverty. She was, yeah, she was, well, and with, with Precious, she was, based on the novel Push by Sapphire, she was... Pregnant for the second time at 16 with her dad's kid. So you have, like, an incest situation here. Oh, God. Um, and, like, the stuff with 
in this horrible relationship with her mother and her just trying to get through with the school and stuff and like trying to learn how to really get a handle on writing because you have to have good writing skills to make it anywhere and like um to me i'm just going to be very upfront right now mm -hmm. um i know we haven't talked about slumdog yet but slumdog does a thing that we'll talk about that i think precious excelled in and so for me i think precious should move forward I disagree. You disagree. Because I think that Precious um, sometimes was just, didn't know what it was doing. What do you mean? Yeah, because it would just randomly cut to like her being a celebrity in these places. No, it's her dream sequences. I and always the, cut the dream sequence. No, well, the thing is with her, while yes, they seemed a little unwarranted. Let get that on the t-shirt. Always consider <laughs> always cutting cut. the dream sequence. The thing is, to me, the dream sequences were directed poorly. That was what Lee Daniels did it, right? Yes. That was I, to me that was Lee Daniels' fault. Like he yeah. took something that I believe would have made sense in the context of the story and to me kind of fucked it up. So I don't blame the screenplay. I did I do blame the screenplay because it was there because they wrote it there. And I don't think I think that this would have been a much more interesting story if we just had something gritty and real and you're just there for it. I felt like they wanted to take me out of it. For whatever reason, and I didn't want to leave. To be honest, a lot of the times I feel like what it could have done instead was instead of seeing the dream sequence, it already has voiceover. Just have her talk about what she thinks should be going, what she wants to do with her life in the voiceover. I questioned the voiceover as well. Really? Mm -hmm. I thought the voiceover I, was really helpful. I thought that it would have been a much more interesting film if we got to know her without it. And I thought that it, I thought that the movie was kind of like talking down to its viewers in some ways. Like some things were just so obvious. Like I didn't have to think any thoughts for myself for a single second. Like if we're gonna compare it to like Call Me by Your Name, which made me think everything for myself. Mm -hmm. Like I had to do all the work, and I loved it. But with Precious, it was like I know uh, this is just what I'm supposed to feel. And then it's just awkward because at the end, like some things just also aren't clear. It did. Why is she walking out with her own children at the end? Which I don't think, I think her custody has been removed or is about to be removed with those children, right? And, like, it didn't explain that. It just sort of left us nowhere and, like... No, because the ultimate resolve of the whole film was her getting away from her mother. And I don't think we're supposed to, like, join then her. Then the kids on, shouldn't have been there. Then we're, then we're supposed to not join her on the story, on her journey from that point. They should have cut the kids from the end then. I think it should have just been her walking down the street. Because I think it didn't make sense because now all I was distracted at the end. I was not thinking, oh, Precious got away from her mom. I was thinking, like, fuck, she is not in a situation to raise those kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she she was way too young. She has too much going on. She's got a lot of trauma. Like, she needs help. And I'm not saying they should be removed from her, but she needs help. You know? like, yeah. And also, I just feel like Mariah Carey's character didn't really make sense. Like, at the end, the woman's crying, and she's like, no, I'm not talking to you. And I'm like, I'm like you shouldn't be a social worker then. If you, like, yeah, that means that's the why Precious said you're not strong enough to handle this. Oh, yeah, she's like, you can't do this. And I did yeah. like that line. That was nice. And she's like, you can't help. This is, this is, you're in over your head. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that is correct. Um, so, Well, the yeah. movie did get preachy. The thing is why, while there are so many, there are a lot of flaws in Precious, but the thing that Slumdog did that, which to me is like unforgivable is, like, I read, I didn't read Q&A, but I read the plot line. Literally none of the characters is the same. The story takes place, it's um, the main character telling the Q&A, being on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, to someone in a bar. And it's, like, like 
there's just so there's a lot that's different, and that's not my problem. The problem was I'm, saying, I'm like I don't have any issues. With in that. Slumdog Millionaire, there are three main characters. There mm-hmm. is um, Jamal, Salim, and Latika. Yes. And I just felt like Latika was not even two dimensional, not even one. She was zero dimensional. And I'm like, if that's your main character, the main love interest who is literally pushing Jamal to go through this entire story and she, we get nothing from her. And the fact that like none of the characters carry over, which means you could have written her to be someone. You could have written her to have motivation, dreams, a personality. And it's just the fact that none of that carried over when she is one of three, 33% of the characters we care about. And she gets nothing made me insane. I would agree so that she's mad. not a very well-written character, and but I disagree on the notion of saying that she is one-third of the film. Well, of the main character. It's obviously not... It's not about her, though, in my opinion. It is mostly... I can't remember all the characters. Who's the main character? Jamal. Jamal. It's Jamal's story. It's Jamal's story, but even, like, with Salim. And if you have one character that's not really fleshed out... I mean, like, I would argue there's a lot of characters in Precious that aren't fleshed out. she's the driving force of... He literally said, I care about her only. Why? Well... Why? And I felt like because on some level she was more of an idea to him. And maybe that's just how it was portrayed. Because he never really got to know her. I think that she was just sort of he an idea. never I- knew her. It was an idea of another life. He, he imagined a life with her. Even their conversations. I'm like, these conversations aren't anything. Yeah. He's just saying, how are you? I just don't really feel like that issue is even like sort of like comparable to the flaws and precious. But even so, like even with Salim, his older brother, he basically spends the entire movie being an asshole to his younger brother, only to literally have a sudden change of heart that we don't even get to see. I would agree that the change of heart was confusing. It just happened so suddenly. There was no No. build-up. It was just him being like, oh, my little brother does love her. He loved her at the train, and you took his girlfriend away and sliced her face open. His change of heart is random and out of nowhere. There were just just so many things where I'm like, I just don't feel like the characters are fleshed out or treated well. When even in Precious's classroom, I knew who... Every single one of those students were. They had personalities. They interacted with Precious in a way that I thought was like, I get this dynamic in the classroom, and it is the right. It is, and the writer did it. I'm gonna say something that might be unpopular here. We can't really come to an agreement, but I don't really love either of these screenplays, so I would just vote that they both go. You vote that they both go. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think either one of them's gonna win, and I don't want to give it. I don't want to agree with you. And we did say we can eliminate both of them. We haven't done that I mean, yet. to be honest, I don't think either of these two are going to no, win. No, neither of them are going to win. So, and I don't want to like... Oh, I've never had a double elimination want to. I don't want to renege on my choice. So I'm just like, you... And it doesn't seem like you're going to change your mind. It's just... To, I see your flaws and I recognize your flaws and I hear you. Yeah. I just disagree and I think that Precious's flaws yeah. are much larger. And it's just, to me, a lack of characterization is unforgivable. Yeah. Well, and some of that, though, the his the brother's change of heart, I blame the director a little bit for that. Like, I, I wonder, I honestly wondered if a scene got cut. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like a scene did get cut. Because you were like, well, so he just changes his mind? I don't... Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I personally vote. Oh, goodness. I, oh, this I, hurts. But okay, I'm fine with... Bye. Bye, oh, Precious. God. Bye, Slumdog. 
Yeah, I don't see the point of us sitting here and, and arguing about it when we both when we both know they're not going to make it on anyway. So who cares? Yeah. So now we have Moonlight versus Invitation Game. I give it to Moonlight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I loved Invitation Game. Don't get me wrong. I just felt like Moonlight was just the st- like the story that Moonlight chose to tell. Yeah. Even if it was a play, I'm just like I'm here for it. I thought everything was just written so beautifully. And the Imitation like, Game, I felt like I will say I the the storyline with the girl that he like almost marries Kiernan's character, and then like and then he doesn't, and she yells at him, and she's like, "I hate you, and you're even a monster." The, and I was like, even the part where that one guy confronted him, was just like, "I know you're homosexual." I was like, "You could have been cut entirely." Oh, that Russian spy plotline. So yeah. stupid. The Russian plot. The, yeah, that was lame. And, and there's then, no, not a single part in Moonlight that I thought should have been eliminated. Um, I disagree a little bit there, but we'll see. How oh, we really? Go. Yeah. Um, so. 12 years so, versus Social Network. Oh, well, goodbye, Social Network. <laughs> we should have done a double elimination there, too. I have no, I have no love. For either. <laughs> for those films. And I'm like, 12 years. You know years. what? That probably just would have just been a double elimination. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, yeah. Basically, clearly. the latter half of this 10 years is just filled with great stories. And even, honestly, Precious and Slumdog were both very good, but we weren't. I wasn't going to budge. Yeah, so that's fine. I was double learning both. I would say that 12 years definitely beat Social Network, though, just because not only was it more important, but it was just like... I mean, the intensity of the dialogue and the way that the story drives along and how much pain you go through in that, you know. And it's like Aaron Sorkin, to me, is more of like a niche. You have to like love him. Yes. And I don't think I love Aaron Sorkin. I like him sometimes. Yeah. You know, like. And it's like some of the things, it's like it's, a lot of it is preachy. And when, and 12 Years a Slave had literally anything could have been preachy and it chose not to be. No, it wasn't preachy. It was just, it was just really well developed and intense characters. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really feel, also social network did not have well developed characters really at all. <laughs> um, except for, I would argue that Jesse Eisenberg's character was pretty cool. Which is weird because not only are they like real characters, they're all still alive. Yeah. And honestly, the same age as the people who are playing Well, them. and they're <laughs> pretty open with the fact that they just made it up though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is very clear that Jesse Eisenberg is in no way trying to imitate Mark Zuckerberg. No. Um, anyway, but that's on the end. So the final two are 12 Years a Slave and Moonlight. <sighs> yeah, we'd end up here. I have an answer, and I know that it's different from yours. I don't really know what my answer is. Really? I feel like you're going to say Moonlight. Yeah. You always defend Moonlight. For I, Moonlight is one, not only one of my favorite movies that year, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I don't know, though. Okay, this is the issue I have a little bit. Like, I don't really blame the screenplay on it, but I just felt like that last, that final act... I knew you were going to talk about it! <laughs> that final act is a little slow. It's a little rough, and... You could also blame editing on that. I do blame editing. I blame the editing director, and I think that, like, we're in that final push towards the end of the film, and I am not... And you thought it's, they didn't drive it. It's almost like the climax is in the, in the second act. You mean with the actual climax? Ah, the, <laughs> the, the, the Sandy Handy. Oh, God, I'm terrible. Um, no, the, uh, what were the other ones we came up with? We had other jokes. 
for the sand job. The, I the sand job, Sandy Handy. There's something about a beach. I feel like I don't remember. We had a lot of jokes with the hand job on the beach, but the um, I feel like no, like the chair hitting scene and the love that was great, and like yeah, and the 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 sexual encounter on the beach, and it's like, and then you get to the third act, and I'm like, it's oh. the unfolding of this toxic masculinity, and you get to see each layer be peeled back. I don't really feel like I did. I felt like they were talking about and nothing, the end, and then all of a sudden he starts crying. And then in the end, he's caressing him. There's literally a line where he where he comes in, and Kevin is just like, Sharon, what the fuck is this? He's like, what, what is this? What are you doing? I'm motioning up and down to be like, yeah. what, is, what, do you, what do you look like right now? This isn't you. Like, he's very upfront about it. So what are your issues with 12 Years a Slave as a screenplay? To be honest, I don't have many issues with it. I just think, to me, it's just... Uh, I'm going to... No. Because I, I, this doesn't even a part wrong with the screenplay. I just feel like... Moonlight is more important of a film because of what it chose to talk about. But I'm not sure if that's a screenplay thing. I don't, I don't know. I guess they're about equally as important. Like well, I think, well, obviously, in terms of relevancy, something that talks about toxic masculinity oh, in yeah. the black community, especially within LGBT community, yeah. is going to be much more relevant than, like, a slave story. Yeah, but I feel like it's important but it's weird. To like, show these slave narratives as like a part of like no our movie. American history and like because no movie because like yes there are lots of movies about slavery. There's like Lincoln. There's Glory. Well, I would not say that Lincoln's about slavery. Hey, 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 kind of is. <laughs> Even they don't depict it. They don't. You know, it's the. But the thing is, all it focuses movies, on the white people. You know, I know like, that's the thing. This movie chose to tell the story of someone who was enslaved, which is. Never been done. Well, and the fact that this book hadn't been turned into a movie yet is beyond me. Because I'm like, it's a really important part of American literature. You want to know what I bet? I bet someone, I bet it's probably been ta- been attempted before and people are just like, we, we can't do this. Like, we're not capturing what it should be. Yeah, I guess that's true. You really have to. I mean, it was just such an important movie. And I, I just think I to think... tell that story, I mean, because like we're in the category of adapted screenplay here, but to be like, we're going to tell this story and like, we're going to make sure that we tell it right. And they did. And I, I just feel like that Moonlight could do more for people. And honestly, that's kind of what's pushing me over the edge is the fact that both of these movies are so honestly just like perfect. Like the only, like one of the only flaws that I get in 12 Years a Slave is that everyone who's ripped away from Solomon is just like, Solomon, help me, help me. They're like reaching for him. And I was just like, you don't know him. Yeah. No scenes were developed with you getting your relationship going. Like when Patsy even goes to Solomon and is like, can you please kill me? I'm like, why are you asking him? Like, yeah. why him? And so I'm like, I feel like I don't understand his connection to any people in his same situation where it was mostly just him dealing with his slave owners. And I was like, I want to get more in the connection and like the camaraderie of the slaves themselves because I felt like it was, I honestly just got such a feeling that he was on his own. And I didn't want that. Yeah. And with Moonlight, I want, I felt like there was, he, Chiron relied on so many women and so many, like, like a good male role, role model. And I was like, I feel like I, I feel his connection through the dialogue and the writing. And that's why I think Moonlight should move forward. Well, it'd be win. This is it. And win. That is why I think. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I. 
there were just so, there were just there like both movies are so well written, but again, for me, it comes down to characterization. I felt like the characters in Twelve Years a Slave were so intense, though. I but mean, I felt like, like they were so isolated had, from each other. Patsy and like Michael Fassbender's character and Sarah Paulson's character, even Benedict Cumberbatch, even like Paul Dano, um, was a really interesting character. And like, quick aside, Paul Dano should win an Oscar one day. I know he's amazing, <laughs> um, but like, I, I, I felt, just felt like, like they, they were, were all, such well-developed characters, and but like independently of each other. I felt no connections besides, like, a power struggle. And in Moonlight, I felt like they were all woven together so well. I just didn't understand the end of Moonlight. It didn't really... The final act, like, I liked it when he's, like, talking to his mother and stuff. And then when they go to the diner and just sit there, I'm like, okay. Well, it's him confronting a past that he literally tried for a while to forget. Okay. I mean, I don't know... (laughs) I, it's hard for me to like really get that excited about it uh, and it's like when you're also like thinking of like a story structure mm-hmm. I'm, still I, I, I'm, a, story I'm a structure. sucker for like a conventional plot structure I just am where it's, it's like we're gonna I'm build like... we're gonna build we're gonna build we're gonna get to the climax things are gonna get resolved we're gonna move on and like I just think that stories have been set up that way for a reason but you even said it earlier in this podcast Moonlight is essentially three different stories that stand well on their own. But I don't so think... So the fact that you didn't like one climax that came at the end more than the other two that came forward... Yes, that's the issue. Is that I felt like the second half... The second... Like, act... Mm-hmm. Was the most exciting. And then we have a third act. We still have like an hour left. Of Each like, one is only 40 minutes. Okay, fine. Like 40 <laughs> minutes left of something that I... I'm not engaged in. So it's like, if you lose your viewers that way and be like, all right, so now we're here at the end and. Oh, it's weird. I, I was never not engaged. Oh, I, I really, the dynasty just loses me. And when they go back to his apartment, I'm definitely in it. I'm in it. I'm like, Ooh, what's going on here? Like, I, you know, like I'm very excited about it. I just, I don't know. Like, Yeah, to me, I don't, I don't believe my mind has changed. And Alfred agrees. I'm not, my so mind hasn't changed either. <laughs> because I just don't. And I felt like I gave all my arguments, and I can't think of anything else that would be different. Yeah, because I guess like 12 Years of Slave also, I love the dialogue in that film. It is like so rich. It is poetic. Oh, the dialogues. It is so good. strong. And so it's like, to me, that's about, that's a big thing of screenplay is the dialogue, right? I mean, like that's one of the major components. And if I'm just comparing the dialogue here, I think that 12 Years a Slave is a lot more ambitious and interesting than the dialogue in Moonlight. Well, also, it's the fact that there's not a lot of dialogue in Moonlight, but I still, everything, every word that was written and spoken was very intentional. Well, yeah. I, I would disagree, though. I think, like, the end kind of got a little... The dialogue just sort of... <laughs> Um, wow, yeah, I am. I don't think I can budge on this one. I don't know if I can either, because I feel like I let you budge me too often on this. What? Uh, well, you know, the the Battle of the Cates. Um, oh, yeah, you wanted Kate. Uh, yeah, here we are. Oh. Didn't we, weren't we in a similar situation for original? No, I think we just agreed for everything with original screenplay. Because, I mean, we knew Get Out was going to win. yeah. Oh, God, I honestly don't know what else to say here, because I feel like all my points were very good. <laughs> I feel like also a lot of your stuff was based not on the screenplay itself. It was based more on the, f- the filmmaking. 
What? Because it's like characters coming together. That's totally the screen. And I don't really understand what you mean by characters coming together. That I never felt that I doesn't never, really make sense to me because I think that the characters of Twelve Years of Slave do really come together. I don't. I know. Because I think he that. has a relationship with a lot of the people that come through. Even though it's like difficult and strained and confusing, I still think that it's strong. I never got that. Um, whereas, like Moonlight, I feel like the stuff with the mom was never really entirely clear as to like why she started doing stuff what what happened afterwards um and then like and i mean if we're talking about well developed too i do not think that if you say chiron isn't well developed i'm gonna kill you no chiron is pretty well developed but i don't think his best friend is really that well developed Kevin? I, I yeah i don't really think that um who's that nice lady She's oh my by god it's janelle monet janelle monet lisa yeah i don't really know what her deal is except for being nice She's just nice. She's just his substitute mom. I know, but I'm like, so what else though? You know, like if we talked about the flat character and like Slumdog Millionaire, like you know what? what I else? honestly am going to just say right now. I feel like I'm missing in Twelve Years a Slave what you're missing in Moonlight. Yeah, because I'm like you talked about in Slumdog that one girl was not really developed. Well, neither was really Janelle Monae's character. Did she do a good job? Yeah, she was a great actress. But I'm like, okay, then what? I don't think we're going to come to a decision. And, like, the mom in Moonlight is... I mean, she's a really well-developed character, but I do, like... And the thing is, it's hard. It's hard to sit here and pick at a movie that I really love. But I just disagree. I think that 12 Years a Slave wrote a better screenplay. I think the dialogue is so much more intense. I think the way that the story is structured is really intense because they make also a story that seems like it'd be impossible to get through really watchable. You know, like, it's really, like, it, it's it's set up in a way where things are naturally building. He sort of, as a character, starts to fall apart and give up into this, but then has that glimmer of hope. It's weird. I think these movies are so comparable, because think about the Oscars that they won. They both won picture, they both won adaptive screenplay, and they have a supporting actor. Oh, yeah. So they have a supporting role win. Yeah. So it's like, these movies are very toe-to-toe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I... I I just, yeah, I just, I, to me, if we're just talking screenplay here, and I think Moonlight might even be a better film, but we're just talking screenplay. Really? I think, I'm going to bring that up later. Okay. Uh, I was I'm, like, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but I was like, I think that 12 Years a Slave was just, yeah, I just, I felt like it had a, this huge task of writing a period film, which is never easy. You know what? And like, I, I really liked it. Yeah. One it's thing hard. I'm going to say is the fact that it shows something so old and so ingrained in our history to try and basically bring light to and just share with people. Mm-hmm. I I will concede to 12 Years of Slave. Yay! Yes. I also want to add on to that, though, because when we think about slave films, it is usually generally focusing a lot. On the white people. On the white people. And this movie chose not even, to like, do that. Amistad and stuff. And, like, I think with a character like Lupita Nyong'o's character, who, like, we don't really know anything about her. We don't really know anything about her backstory. Um, but I just feel like to see her suffering and to see her so human... Quick aside up to that, Lupita even mentioned that in her Oscar speech. She's like, thank you for sharing a story for someone like Patsy. Yeah, and she was a real person. Yeah. And I think that that's another reason why I say more important is that this actually happened. 
Moon Knight isn't real. Like, I mean, things like that happen. Things like it happen mm -hmm. every day. But it never actually did happen. Yeah. Whereas 12 Years a Slave is real. I mean, like, that is a man's story. And it's a man's story that was honestly fading from public knowledge. And now will not go anywhere. Yeah, it's immortalized. That This movie will definitely... So if we're talking about importance, I'm like, I do just think that 12 Years a Slave was really important. It, it was, is important. It was, it was important yeah. what because I meant they told that, someone's story who was a real person. What I meant by it was the fact that it's like, I just feel that so many people can benefit from learning about the effects of like toxic masculinity in the LGBT community and the black community. Oh no, I agree. I agree. But I also don't want to like have a crash moment here where it's like the movie wins. Boo the crash. I know, but boo crash. People legitimately argue that crash should win because it tackled more issues. I'm like, that's not how this works. You just, who just told the better story? You know what Red I mean? Like, Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Red Mountain told the better story and still tackled important issues. Yeah. So I was like, we have. Oh, anger and aggression. I'm like, you don't need to have more issues. And I feel like that's sort of the argument with Moonlight a lot of the times. And I'm like, I want to move past that and just talk about the fact there's a good movie. Mm -hmm. And, like, get over the fact that, like, it was tackling issues that no one else was. I don't know. Okay. Then with that... 12 I Years a Slave wins. 12 Years a Slave wins. Yay! Okay. All right, so this was actually a heated one. We had so many disagreements. Yeah, we really did not um, be able to get through this pretty... Um, very I don't easily. even know how long it took. What's the timing? Um, we've been here for a while. About oh, not hour. even an hour. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Um, please uh, like and subscribe, or if you like to leave a comment, and if you don't, leave a comment about you lying about how you liked it, please. Also, tune in next time when we do supporting actress. Ooh. Well, that's at least our next Thunderdome episode. Yes. Yes. All, All right. right. So thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.